Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Digital Rookie Podcast. My name is Patrick Quay. In this episode, I sit down with Chris Tetaz, Digital Media Coordinator at the Victorian Institute of Sport. The VIS are a government-funded organisation that aids in the professional development for aspiring athletes here in Victoria, Australia. Chris is incredibly passionate about what he does, and it's reflected in his journey into the sports industry. Hopefully, for those listening, you can take on some of the advice that Chris provides from his experiences and understandings about what it takes to make it in the digital world. If you find yourself enjoying today's podcast, then make sure to write a short review on Apple Podcasts. I really appreciate all the feedback. If you're interested in connecting with Chris or myself, then you can find our links to our LinkedIn profiles in the description below. As always, would love to hear from any listeners, and likewise, Chris is a great connection to have for those aspiring to work in the sports digital industry. While you're connecting with us on LinkedIn, you should jump on over to Instagram and follow at Digital Rookie Hub. There you can find all the graphics and promotional material I post while keeping up to date with new episodes and guests, so as always, would really appreciate a follow. That's all from me for now. Enjoy my chat with Chris. Well, Chris, thanks so much for uh, joining me today on my podcast and uh, taking the time to have a chat. Too easy. Thanks for having me, Patrick. No stress at all. Um, can you just, yeah, start off by explaining your journey into the sports industry? Yeah, too easy. So I've always been pretty lucky because I've always known that I wanted to work in sport um, in some capacity. So throughout my whole schooling, I've always known that sport's something I wanted to be involved in. And as I sort of got older, I started to realize that I enjoyed telling stories and I enjoyed making things and designing stuff. So to me, I sort of put one and one together and decided that, you know, sport, sports journalism was the path I wanted to go down. Um, but I always, I quite, I struggled quite a bit at school um, purely because, you know, the compulsory subjects at school were always your maths and your science. Um, and for me, I, I never really enjoyed science. I never really understood it. But I always loved art, media, design. Yep. But I felt like in the early ages, I didn't necessarily have as many opportunities to do like sort of advanced stuff. It was more just, you know, you'd go to art and you'd do art stuff. Um, and then as we sort of got to, you know, year nine, year 10, um, we had electives. And for me, I always saw that the electives, all the elective subjects that you could pick were always the arts, media and design subjects. Mm. They were never the compulsory subjects. So for me, I didn't really, I knew I didn't want to do science in year 11 and 12. And I just, you know, it was something I didn't enjoy. So I really, I asked the school if I could actually, you know, go down and pick some of those, a few more media and design subjects and actually drop the science. Um, And I was lucky enough that the school said, yeah, okay, we'll we'll allow this, you know, this time. Um, And then as I got to year 11, year 12, when I started to put my subjects together, you know, I put the, um, I put media as a subject and visual communication. Um, and I was surprised with sort of the, the, um, I, I was surprised with the perception of, you know, doing the easy subjects and how schools sort of pushed you away from that as they wanted you to get ATAR. Um, but for me, it was really important that I was able to do those subjects because ultimately that's what I enjoyed. Yeah. 100%. And, I never really cared about, um, you know, what, like, obviously I cared, you know, I still wanted to get an ATAR, a good ATAR. Um, but I was, I just really wanted to do what I enjoyed because I knew I would, you know, do a better job of it and, you know, 
whatever score I got would come. Yeah. Um, so after a lot of discussions with the school, I finally was allowed to do, you know, the media and the VizCom. Um, and then the next sort of kickback came when I decided I wanted to do, I wanted to create a footy team in VizCom and I wanted to create a footy magazine in media. Cool. Um, and I guess the perceptions around sort of media and VizCom at the time when I was in year, year 12 was that, you know, they were the easy subjects and they were sort of the bludge subjects, which to me, I could never understand. Um, you know, you'd, you'd go home and you'd spend, you know, six or seven hours on your folio, but it wasn't necessarily, you know, the hard stuff of what you would do in, for example, biology. And my friends would go home and smash out all these biology questions. Whereas I was up till two, 3am, you know, cutting and pasting in my folio. But it was always something that, you know, was important and something that I, I, although people sort of saw it as not that challenging, it actually was to, yeah. you know, actually get your folios done yeah, and to present them. So I guess at an early age, I was always struggling with that perception at school that it was, that it was easy because it wasn't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but then... I, yeah, I think even just on that point, the fact that you were... Uh, you knew from like quite early on in, in your life that that's what you really enjoyed. And the fact that you were willing to kind of go against the grain and, and stick with that is really cool. Um, so yeah, so keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. Um, so yeah, then I started looking at university courses Yeah. Um, and some like sort of being, Oh, what can I do? What like sort of ATARs required? And the first thing I searched up was like sport, sports media, sports journalism, and the first course I saw was at the Trobuni and it was called sports. Uh, no, it's called media communications, majoring in sports journalism. And I started looking through the course and I was like, yep, that's perfect for me. Um, every second word was sport and every other word was media. So to me, Lovely. like there was no doubt that that's what I wanted to do. Um, and then I saw that you could actually apply for an early entry as part of the Latrobe Aspire program. So using the portfolios that I'd already created um, for the subjects, as well as um, some of my sporting staff and stuff I'd done in the community, I decided to apply for that. Um, and then halfway through the year, I found out that I'd been accepted into that program um, and I'd been given an early entry to a Trove University in the course. Amazing. So I was very lucky, you know, halfway through year 12, it took so much pressure off me in all my other subjects that I'd already been given that entry. Um, which to me was probably more important than anything else because all that pressure around exam time, sort of knowing that you already knew what you were doing, um, really, yeah, as I said, did take off that pressure. Yeah, 100%. Um, so I, I found it quite interesting that, um, like, out of, you know, the whole kind of years before, they were sort of like, oh, you know, you'll struggle to get into some of the unis and, whatever, if you do some of the easiest subjects and they get scaled and blah, blah, blah. Mm. But then all of a sudden, you know, halfway through year 12, I'd already gotten into the course. And Yeah, um, you, you were the one with the, like, everything locked in early and, and uh, ready to, like, start your career, I guess. Yeah, exactly. So I thought it was pretty funny how that kind of worked out. Um, so, yeah, that was my, my journey at school. Um, and then from school, obviously, went straight to uni um, and I was – you know, very excited to start my career in metering comms. Um, but the first year was a massive shock. Um, I was really surprised with 
got like when I first went to uni, no one sort of cared if you went and if you didn't go. Yeah. No one cared if you. <laughs> no one I know cared exactly. If you did your, <laughs> yeah. No one cared if you did your assignments or if you didn't do your assignments. Um, and I really struggled with that. You know, going going to a school where they were very much like sending emails for like you know just a reminder that your exams uh, that your projects due on Friday, please send it in. You know by then yeah. but at uni if your project's due on Friday and you haven't done it and you've forgotten no one cares so that's it oh, that's better luck um, I know exactly <laughs> what you mean I like even at my uni like there was one time I just completely forgot to submit an assignment and it got to them handing back the grades and I was like oh how come I don't have a grade and they're like oh you just didn't submit anything <laughs> and I was like well is no one going to tell me about that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah so I know exactly yeah. where you're coming from and I, I think um, a lot of people will sort of go through that when they first start uni. Um, it is a big shock to the system. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, you know, it does teach you things. And probably the best thing that came out of my first semester of uni was actually failing a subject. Um, so I did like a photojournalism subject, okay. which I thought was pretty cool. Um, you know, being interested in taking photos and stuff. And yeah, I actually failed it just purely on the fact that I kept missing deadlines, forgetting things on. Um, and to me, I'd never really failed anything. And that was just like the feeling of that. I was like, no, I, I can't have this feeling again. I hated the feeling of it. So I said to myself, you know, next semester, like I'll have a crack and actually try to get things done. So I think the next semester, my planning got better. Um, yeah. And, you know, I didn't miss a deadline again, which was, which was pretty good. Um, and then I started to sort of, um, I, I was like, all right, uni's great, but I want to start working. Like I want to start looking around and, you know, getting into a sporting industry or, or doing something that sort of felt more valuable than what I was doing. Cause mm. I think I was a little lost that I was doing work for uni, but I didn't really feel like the work I was doing was valuable to where I wanted to go. Right. Okay. You know, like in one of our subjects, we were writing match reports on a footy game that happened five years ago. Right. And to me, it was like, well, I'd rather be doing something now that, you know, actually means something to, and that people might read it and, and enjoy. Yeah. That's, um, that's really, I think that's really cool. Cause like being able to, you seem like you're really able to stay on top of like why, why you're driven to work in sport and, and maintain that motivation and, and, not waste any time um because i definitely feel like that was something that i wish i did um just like you know wanting to work in sport already you know first year uni like i didn't even think about working kind of thing so yeah that's it's really impressive and obviously why you've been successful now um but sorry i keep going i keep interrupting um yeah so after like but then i was really shocked that towards the end of the year um you know i've been asking at a lot of different places and all the feedback was no reply or sorry, you don't have enough experience to get an internship. Yeah, and right. to me, I like, you know, what do you do with that feedback? It's like, well, the idea of doing an internship is to get that experience. So if I can't get that experience, then why do you keep saying you need more experience? The classic so, lock. <laughs> yeah. So I really struggled with that um, towards the end of the year and even early second year. Um, just the constant, nah, sorry, try again or get experience. And I just couldn't get experience. Um, yeah. And then Latrobe had a 
um, a subject where you'd go out to Carlton Footy Club and you'd go to a press conference. Yeah. So I saw that as, you know, perfect. I can get a taste of what it's like. Maybe I can meet some people there that can help me sort of progress and find some experience. Um, but the, I was really shocked that when I went to the press conference, um, it wasn't what I expected it was. Okay. Um, you know, I th- sort of saw journalism as storytelling. And, you know, there was, at the time, there was Sam Tresky seaton who was a new player, um, had only been at the club for maybe a year or so. And the direction that the, the press conference went down was just nowhere where I thought it would have. Some of the questions were just really hard hitting and you could see that he was struggling to answer him, to answer them. And the thing that shocked me was that no one was sort of helping him. He was just up there getting hammered with some of these really tough questions. But, you know, in, at the very start of the interview, you could see that, you know, the, he had an amazing story um, and just the fact that, you know, he was on Carlton's list and how he got there was so inspiring. And I just couldn't believe that the interview didn't go down that path. Instead, it went down his training habits. And like that just shocked me. Hmm. So the, you know, the assignment was that you go to the press conference and then you write down um, a, a news release. Um, and I wrote down mine and the next morning you can compare it to what was in the Herald Sun. And I couldn't believe that in the sports section it said like Sam Tressy seen lazy. And yeah, right. to me, it was the biggest shock. I was like, wow, like out of all that, he, that was what was taken away from from the interview. Yeah. And that that sort of scared me off media and working in where I thought was where I wanted to work. So I, I took for, away from that. I was like, nah, like there's no way I can I can work in this industry. Like that's just too hard. Um, maybe this isn't what I want to do. Um, and I, I really did for probably a month there. I was like, nah, I'm going to try do something else. Um, you know, that, that's not what I want to do. Yeah. Right. So um, it was a, it was a real like roadblock kind of really. in your Yeah. Face. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I was, you know, getting, everyone was saying no to do internships. I'd already failed a subject in uni. I was sort of halfway through the degree and I was like, what, like, what should I do from here? Um, and then I was like, well, I made this sort of realization that, you know, not all meet like news and media has to be negative. So I started really following each footy club and how they shared their stories. And, you know, Carlton Footy Club, if you look at their report on that interview, it had nothing to do with Patrice Seaton being lazy. It had to do with how well he'd started, you know, how well he was fitting in with the club and that he was going to be a great, he was a great young player. So I was like, well, hang on a minute. Maybe I just need to change my angle and being that AFL journo doesn't have to be going to the press conferences and posting stories in the Herald Sun. Um, maybe I can actually start sharing positive stories and, and inspiring people instead of posting stuff that's going to sell newspapers. Yeah. Um, and I think it's sort of hard to see that now because at the time, um, you know, newspapers were still huge and, you know, Instagram had only been out for a year and a bit. So I think it's also like being cool to see the, the progress of where the media has come and, you know, you can follow different things and you're not just following Herald Sun, Fox yeah. Sports Australia, Fox Footy, et cetera. So I, I changed my sort of outset and I was like, I'll just make a Facebook page where I just share the positive stories. Yeah. Um, 
so I started doing that and yeah, it, it became pretty popular just quickly. Um, and I was lucky to get like a thousand followers or something in the space of like a couple months, which was really random. Okay. Um, yeah. Just happened to post like the right story in the right group at the right time kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then all of a sudden I was like, well, I'm going to start using like putting this on my resume. So sort of similar to what you've done with the podcast, like just starting your own, um, your own thing. Yeah. And I think that is the important part is using the initiative to create um, your own experience. Um, yeah, definitely. That's yeah. That's definitely something that I've found that's been really like positive. Yeah. Like it's that initiative and yeah, creating your own experience because there's so many people that say you need experience and you, it's so easy to be like, well, hang on, you're meant to give me experience, but you know, it's so easy to go out there and to make an Instagram page, make a Facebook page, write your own stories, create a blog. And they don't have to be followed by 200, 300 people. But when you start putting that on your resume, it starts to, to fill it up a bit. Yeah. Um, and then two, probably yeah, a couple months after that, after I started creating the page and started posting quite a bit on it, um, I put it on my resume and applied for a role at Williamstown Footy Club. Um, and I went down to Williamstown and the guy there, he said to me, he's like, look, you know, we'd love to have you um, as, you know, one of our interns, but just sort of I let you know that uh, I was at the Northern Knights and I, I just left the Northern Knights and you should, you should apply with them because, you know, I think that was something that he really loved and he said that I reckon you should give that a go as well. It's a bit closer to home. So I did that and, yeah, within two hours I got a phone call from one of the guys at Northern Knights and he's like, look, you know, we'd love to have you down. We're looking for a media person to start, you know, as early as next month. So yeah. uh, I was like, sweet, you beauty. Um, finally got my first internship at like a pretty respected footy club that I always admired when I was, you know, growing up and at school and stuff. So that was pretty exciting. And, um, yeah, five days later I actually got a call from the Victorian Institute of Sport and they said, look, um, you know, we'd love to get you in for a meeting, uh, for an interview for the internship that I'd applied for probably three or four months prior. So right, okay. I kind of forgot about it, but it was just amazing that all of a sudden in, you know, the space of three or two or three days, I'd ended up with two internships that I really struggled to get for a whole year and a half. So, um, yeah, it is funny it was, how when everything changes, it changes really, really quickly. Yeah. So then all of a sudden my next decision was do I do the two internships and defer uni or do I just try and do the one? What do I do there? So I was like, you know what? I was very lucky to be living at home and my parents, you know, helped me out. So I didn't have to pay rent or anything like that. Um, and I was like, well, let's, let's have a crack at doing the two and I'll defer the uni course by a year. So I ended up doing two uni, like I'd, just deferred four subjects to the year after. So I kind of did was at uni halftime, um, which worked pretty well. Yep. Um, it was a bloody tough, like it was a really tough year. Um, That's a big lie. decision just, as well to, again, similar how you went against the grain at school, like to go against the grain of what's expected at uni, you know, just kind of get it done for you to district, like, you know, defer uni for a year to then do two internships. Like that's a, that's a big decision. Yeah, I guess, uh, yeah, at the time you sort of think you can do it all, but I sort of knew one thing had to give because 
as soon as I got the internships, I was like, well, I have to, I have to make these actually worth it. Um, and then obviously still working like a part-time job at a cafe as well. Yeah. It wow. was, it was a really tough year, but like looking back at it now, you know, it was only a year of my life and I learned so much, you know, in two completely different organizations that both worked in sport. Mm. Um, so whilst I did sacrifice doing, having to do an extra year of uni, I think in the long run now, it's definitely worth it. Um, so yeah, um, after a year of the internship, um, it was amazing that the one the, a role opened up at the Victorian Institute of Sport um, as a marketing assistant or media and marketing assistant, and I was you know still so I was decided to take that still at uni and doing that um, still had one more year of uni but was able to manage the both because I only had a couple subjects at uni so okay. Um, it was amazing how that sort of just opened up. So all of a sudden I went from an internship for a year into a part-time marketing and media assistant. Um, yeah. and then at the end of, at the end of last year, uh, my boss went on maternity leave. So then a new full-time role opened up as the digital media coordinator. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, just finished uni at the end of that year and then all of a sudden sudden I'd sort of reach to where I hope to, to, to get. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think the unique thing in the media world is that you sort of, you know, you think that you go to uni and you can just like graduate and you'll get a job. But it, I've been lucky that throughout my whole uni degree, I've also been looking for opportunities elsewhere. Yeah, and I definitely. Think- it's a reward for your proactiveness and, and uh, willingness to put yourself out there. Right. Yeah. Um, and then once, once you sort of get there, you, you sometimes forget that, you know, it actually was quite a big journey to, to get to where you are. So yeah, that's, um, that's a little bit about my journey. So No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's super interesting to listen to because it's quite, it's quite unique. You know, even the fact that you went from like almost quitting sports media um, after that press conference stuff and, and feeling really down about it and then you know a year or so later you're working full-time for one of the big sporting entities in like the country um so it's it's cool how how that kind of thing works yeah and i think as well it's it's so good that how far media has come like i think even you can probably think back to even like instagram for us came out when i was in year 11 like Mm. whereas now some organizations are hiring people purely to come in and do instagram yeah. So I think that aspect of it is also uh, quite interesting. Yeah, hundred um, uh, percent. Yeah, like definitely, the it's a forever changing landscape, and it's kind of mm. an impossible task to try and keep up with it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I want to talk to you about your role at the VAS, um, and you know how how you've enjoyed it and some of the challenges, um, particularly because I think it's quite unique having to. In, uh, market individual athletes as opposed to marketing a whole team or a, a club like you would have at the Northern Knights. Can you explain that, uh, yeah, that challenge and, and how you've gone about approaching the VIS and athletes from like a digital marketing perspective? Yeah, sure. Um, so I guess the best thing about what I do is that it changes every week. 
um, which is also what makes it quite a challenging job at times. Um, what is so interesting about the Victorian Institute of Sport is that we're not a team. We're an institute that provides you know, high services for high-performance athletes. So whilst we do have sporting programs, we don't, we're, not, we're not a team, mm. which does make it hard in terms of reaching an audience because you know, our audience is not like 75% fans or anything like yeah. that, which is challenging in itself. So what we do is we look at what our unique selling point is at the Victorian Institute of Sport. And that is that we have close to 300 athletes across um, nearly 50 sports. So we do have like that. That's very unique in itself. Yeah, definitely. So something that we really like to do is use our athletes to inspire like each other and the, and the next generation of you know, athletes in Victoria. So if you look at all of our athletes, their stories are so inspiring and so amazing that ultimately if you're in one of these sports, your, your goal is to win Olympic or Paralympic gold. So using those athletes that have sort of got there and their journey will then inspire the next generation whose goal is still the same. But then we've got the other side of it where we've also got our audience who want to know more about high performance services. So, you know, they might be, for like, they, there might be a, someone who's an average runner but wants to learn about nutrition to get that step forward and become a you know become go from an average athlete to a better athlete. So we also have that aspect that we can use our platforms to just inspire the community as well as up and coming um, Victorian athletes. So it is quite interesting and it does change every week because what some people want to hear about one week, they don't want to hear about the next week. Okay. Um, and something we found really popular at the moment is around athlete wellbeing and using our athletes to inspire the community. Um, so, you know, we, we use stories and quotes and videos and things like that that come from our athletes' mouths rather than the Institute's mouths because, you know, you're going to listen to an athlete more than you're going to listen to the Institute. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. It, it is, um, it is a, a quite a unique one. Um, and you know, I, I just find it, yeah, I, I find it a bit, a bit strange, just like how, how you're almost a club of 300 people and you have to tell the stories of each one. Um, mm. but yeah. Um, anyway, the next question I have is, um, just some of the opportunities that, the VIS has provided you and like what, what are some of the cool things that you've gotten to do as, as part of being the VIS, a part of being working at the VIS and, and uh, yeah, what, what excites you about working there in the future? Yeah. Well, this, like the best thing about working at the, um, the VIS is definitely, you know, we've, uh, like we've got close to um, 50 different sports. So going out to every different sport with a camera and seeing, athletes in their own environments doing what they do best is amazing and just to be able to to share that with people is so enjoyable um you know like it might like a week might range from me being at the diving pool and seeing the athletes jump off the 10 meter platform from literally the, on the 10 meter platform to then two days later going down to mount buller and seeing some of the athletes um in bungees doing 
flips and aerial skiing stuff and like yeah, sick. like stuff like that like you know those opportunities like there's not many people that would see stuff like that but then to be able to go there record it and show people mm. like, to me that's that's just awesome so um i was just gonna ask like do you find that it, the, that opportunity and how cool that experience do you find that helps you with sharing the kind of content that that uh, goes out on the vis channels yeah, for sure. Like when I sort of go out and see, you know, athletes doing all these amazing things and a bungee, I'm like, well, I want to show everyone else that this is what's happening. And I think the unique, like the thing with, you look at like AFL clubs and they're so well set up that you see it. Like you feel like, you know, everything about the AFL clubs, you see, you feel like you see behind the scenes. But when you think about all the Olympians and you sort of only see them, once every four years yeah. Um, at the Olympics or the Paralympics. You don't actually see what goes in to get to where they get to. Mm. Um, you know, and I think that's what's so enjoyable it is about it as well. Like I was pretty unlucky, not, well, not I wasn't unlucky, but um, like it, it sucked that Tokyo didn't go ahead this year purely because if it had have gone ahead, I would have sort of seen full cycle of the four yeah. years. So to think of when I came in as an intern to go to like the diving pool and see what they were doing then to see what they were doing, you know, even at the end of last year, it would have been a really cool thing to sort of see that like full cycle. Yeah. Um, and I think that is also what is so enjoyable about it as well is that it is unique that it's once every four years. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think because almost an athletic season for the elite is like a four year season and so obviously that's such a long, that's such a long amount of time. And there are so many inspiring stories that come as a result of the ups and downs of trying to prepare for an Olympic, you know, Olymp- a run at the Olympics. Um, yeah. So yeah, it, it is, it is really cool. Um, and I think being able to share those stories through the VIS channels is definitely something that would draw someone like me who, you know, doesn't have a big investment in athletics, but is interested in the stories behind the athlete. Mm, and how and how they get there. And I think we were actually looking at some statistics through Google um, last week, and it showed that throughout the um, two to four week period of the Olympics and Paralympics, um, the athletes that go are the most searched athletes on Google, like significantly more than an AFL player or any other sport would be throughout the year. So it's, it's a bit disappointing that I didn't get to see it from like a, from that aspect this year, because like, it's going to be exciting to see what we can do um, to maximize, you know, those search rates and what different content we can produce during those times as it will be such a popular search and popular content. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be pretty exciting that, you know, when it, Tokyo does come around next year, how we can maximize the interest um, Mm. of the audience and engage people and hopefully keep them on board long-term to then take them through the next cycle. So, yeah. How has the postponement of the, of the Olympics impacted like the, the campaigns that you guys were going to do and, and how have you had to innovate as a result? Yeah. So that was um, a big, like it wasn't a shock because we sort of saw it coming, but, we, you know, we had almost two months, um, two months worth of schedule 
plan. Uh, uh, sorry, we had two months of content scheduled um, planned. So we had to actually go back and be like, well, now we've got you know a two to three month block missing from what we already had planned. And we'd already produced all the video content, um, some of the stories like a year before. So we're still sitting on that content to hopefully push out next year. Yeah. But then we're like, oh, we've got this big block missing. Um, so what we actually did is we went through some of our archives um, just before we were kicked out of the building. And um, we found like all these pinnacle magazines from like early 1990s, early 2000s. And some of the stories in there were really cool about, you know, the Olympics at um, Barcelona and Atlanta. And we're like, oh, let's maybe we should start sharing some of these stories um, in the time period that the Olympics was meant to be. So yeah, cool. we went over, we went over like the last, um, I think it was seven Olympics in VIS history and started reaching out to some of those athletes and just sort of, you know, reflecting on their memories. And yeah, it was really cool to be involved in that. And I think it was a nice content filler and something that we wouldn't otherwise have um, that much time to do. So. Yeah. And I think even, you know, people that are similar age to us have grown up with the stories of like Kathy Freeman and, and that stuff really resonates with, with a lot of um, Australians generally. Um, and it gets people excited for the Olympics mm. thinking about, yeah, those awesome stories and moments that you just don't forget. Mm, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to have a chat and, uh, and yeah, give us an insight into your story that, that is quite unique and, um, and it's really interesting to listen to. Um, so yeah, thanks so much. No stress. Thanks for having me. It's great to chat. Thank you for listening to the Digital Rookie Podcast. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Chris. A massive thanks to Chris for coming on as a guest and taking the time for a chat. Like I mentioned at the start of the episode, if you want to connect with Chris or myself on LinkedIn, then head to the description below and you can find links to our profile there. If you're finding my podcast interesting and you're enjoying the content, then I'd really appreciate if you left a review on Apple Podcasts. It only takes a minute or so and really means a lot to hear from those listening. If you want to get involved with the podcast, send me a message and we can have a chat. I'm always on the lookout for guests and new networking opportunities. Uh, So yeah, definitely send me a message. Stay tuned for some great episodes in the coming weeks and I'll catch you then.